0: So, uh, yeah, so the gyms are shutting down. What did you hear? How are they changing?
1: Well, I mean, so, I mean, we're in New Jersey. And my gym has been closed since March. Um, And I was still getting charged. So I had to call them and then fight the charges. Uh, And then in the meantime, you know, everybody on our team is trying to do workouts and stay motivated and do this stuff. Yeah. So I'm like, well, how am I going to get my workouts in? Uh, so I started putting together a home gym. Yeah, and it cost way more money. Than How much did
0: that cost you? you that set up all set up. Yeah,
1: do you really want to know? <laughs> <All> I <right. So, laughs> don't
0: think you really want right. to say. So,
1: so the weights normally you can get bumper weights will be about like between one and two dollars a pound. Um, I paid four dollars a pound, so it was over eight hundred dollars for. I uh, mean, bumper weights—they're rubberized they're they're rubber coated on the outside yeah. but people use them for crossfit a lot i like them because i don't really do too much crossfit stuff but um they're quieter like they're not that yeah, for on, sure they're, like slammed together yeah you know so um, clanking yeah and they're all the same they're all the same uh height so, oh interesting so the width is what varies yeah so what's cool is you can um like for doing deadlifts uh if you have a, a setup for it you can put the plates on and then when you set it it's all the it's all the same height yeah so it rests yeah. pretty
0: yeah. well yeah they don't rattle around that's cool um,
1: so that was that was cool but that was really really expensive I got lucky I found those on Facebook um and then my actual gym the rack was I want to say like six fifty was three fifty um and then what was the other big piece of equipment? oh and then my uh my deadlift um it's like an octagon. Uh, yeah. That was like two fifty. All right, so you're so, saying over
0: a little bit over two grand. Yeah. That's yeah. legit. That's yeah, but you know, the thing is are you are you gonna use it and, and I think the big question is are you gonna use it on the long haul? I know when I got sick at something new, like I always use it instantly, of course. Cause it's new. Yeah. But the question is, do you still have a are you still cranking away at the thing? Three months, six months from now, then it's become ha- a habit, and you'll probably use it forever.
1: Yeah, I I think what's what's really interesting is I used to want to have a gym membership because even though it was a pain, I knew that if I went to the gym once I'm there, it's like okay, oh good work, you gotta get you gotta work, gotta work out right. Yeah, and then before I had a home gym, and I didn't really take it seriously because I, well, there wasn't a dedicated space for it, and um, it was. I just didn't feel it. Like it was like, Oh, you know, I'll get a couple of reps in and then you get distracted or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I think now like my mindset's definitely changed. It's in the basement. It's separate. So I can go. What, uh, what time do you work out? So yeah, I know you guys do like this crazy early morning. seven well, I do a seven.
0: I do it right at six to seven. I work out seven to eight. I actually,
1: I like uh, like late afternoon, early evening because I, f- I feel like I get a, Better work out because I'm more awake. Yeah, yeah, I believe
0: that. Yeah, there's a peak energy state for me too in probably the afternoon. The only thing is, there's there's a peak number of excuses not to work out then.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But what's what's really sad though is, um, you know, with with everything being shut down, the way that this is going to affect. Local yeah, system. I've been wanting. Paul's been doing uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, um, and so he he and I had talked. He was like, you know, used to wrestle. I think you'd be good at it. I looked into it, and it's something that I, I really would love to do. Um, but you know, what are you supposed to do when when they have everything closed still? And I, I just feel bad for these businesses because I, I mean, probably a lot of them aren't even going to come back. I mean, how can they?
0: Well, I, I, they will in a new way, perhaps. But I'm thinking. I was talking to my barber today. Got the haircut, um, and we, he coaches uh, football for kids. And uh, they're out there practicing, you know, right, contact and stuff like this. But um, you hear other sports that are just getting pure cans, purely canceled. And I think what it boils down to is two things. You know, what's what's the actual real risk of um, the spread of this, you know, of COVID? Um, Secondly is I think there's a liability associated with it like if 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 one person gets sick and dies because they went to that gym that gym can get sued for negligence you people can sue for anything so i think there's a risk of there's that fear i think if a center or gym or whatever shows appropriate diligence and effort to stave the problem and the client then comes at their own free will then they can shirk that liability I think the changing point is going to be these real time tests. So they exist already. The COVID tests, you know, stick a, that thing up your nose, um, that you, they can down do it with saliva. So I got one of these tests done cause I was traveling. I traveled once now in the last four months. Like, you know, was, that's all I did with speaking was all the time. It's, it's such a change. And I, I like it, um, because I'm home more, I don't like it cause I, I'm not going out doing what I like to do. By I from this one trip. Uh, that we did do was a small mastermind, literally 10 people in this massive facility where I've never been so spread out from people, but, um, I landed, went for an immediate test half hour after the swab up the nose, got the COVID results negative. I think that's the game changer. I think when those become prevalent and I think, it, you know, in, in a, um, um, an environment where, uh, Retail outlets and stores and, and stuff like that, like gyms and stuff are going to want it. I think the price point it's going to force the price point down. Right now, it's these urgent care medical places. But I think when it becomes part of the normal protocol that when clients come in, they're, they don't have these diseases with them. And then there's clearance. And maybe the test won't be 30 minutes. Maybe it can be three minutes. Or maybe it can be instantaneous. I think that's going to be the turning point the price point has to come down on these substantially too
1: well and the accuracy with the tests um, and I know this because uh, I have some family members who are in the medical field so they yeah. the serological test which is the one where they test like yeah, saliva blood yeah um, and then there's the um, molecular I think that's what it's called where it's the swab up the nose and the issue becomes it's a very uncomfortable test to go up your nose. It you is go really, really high up to the nasal cavity in order to swab to make sure it's a, a properly accurate test. So a lot of the people who have it um, are getting um, false results. False, yeah, false negative. Yeah, because yeah.
0: they're pulling away. They're not doing it properly.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and then, oh, man, I, I'm hesitant to even say this because I know p- people get so fired up about this stuff. I put a, I put a post on Facebook and I got Probably like the most violent response from people that I've ever seen, even family members, because I was posting um, statistics saying that um, you know we've tested a quarter of the u s population which is which is a lot almost a quarter, so like I think the last time I checked it was like we were at like twenty percent of the u s population, which is huge um, yeah. so we've done more tests than than any other country has, and so I was saying, well, maybe there's a correlation why our numbers are going up because we're testing more, so obviously it's going to show more confirmed cases as opposed to mm-hmm. testing but the death rate has gone way, way down, so it's like higher cases of of people confirmed, however, less people dying yeah so um and that has to do with a lot of the um, the deaths were in uh, nursing homes, and so I think when you look at the statistics it's it's not as deadly and as scary as everybody's making out to be if everybody just, you know, uses normal regular precautions.
0: You know what's interesting is uh there's this concept called confirmation bias. And it really is an Achilles heel for every human being. So confirmation bias is I have a belief that, you know, say it's around COVID that more people are are affected and dying. I will when I see information that supports it, I'm like, yeah, see. And when I see information that doesn't support I'm like, well, that's mythology or that's made up. I disregard it. So we put a disproportionate significance in what we want to be true, what we believe to be true already. Well, there was this great article I read, my perception was great, about blind spots and how confirmation bias can hurt us. And the article argued, the concluding point was, how can I prove myself wrong about a belief? So if we simply, if we all went in, Actually, we don't all have to do it. Whoever chooses to do it to say, how could I be wrong about my belief and earnestly seek out that knowledge, the information will bring balance that confirmation bias and bring real fact around. And and sometimes it really matters, right? So maybe with COVID, whatever it is, does it really matter to you besides the when I say you, I mean the general you, like the besides the political um, considerations besides um, the discussions that it brings about, but what's the impact on you it may, it may be negligible, but, but, you know, in your business confirmation bias gets real dangerous when we're like, Oh man, all my leads are coming in through Facebook and they're not, you know, you got two leads that came from Facebook. You got 30 that came in uh, because you did this direct mail campaign a year ago Uh, and you've totally forgot about it, It said one year from today, call me because I'll be bigger and better. I'm ready to serve you. They also happen to be friends on Facebook. Like say Facebook is working and we ignore something that works. Mm -hmm. If, If we simply ask, how could my belief be wrong? Then it opens our eyes to the things outside it. Listen, I'm sharing what I heard. The application that's hard because confirmation bias is real easy and real fun. Yeah. And it becomes shocking how people can't see the opposite. I'll tell you, when it comes to politics, wherever you sit, you're right. Everyone's freaking right. And that's the problem. We we are right about the things we want to see and everything else we disregard uh, and shirk around it. It's a shame that we cause this conflict among each other. Like, you know, Facebook is the freaking worst. You see people saying hateful things to each other. Because there, there is a sense of invincibility. It's kind of like when you're in a car. You can see the person in the car, but you got that shield in front of you and you're going to drive by them. But Facebook is something else because there's a name attached with it. There's a relationship attached with it. And people stop talking or being friends over this stuff. Yeah, um, that,
1: that to me, that, that's crazy. I, I got into a discussion with um, uh, my cousin's husband who, who shares kind of like the opposite political views that I have. And I was just trying to have a, we had a great talk about it, um, and he said he's seen people where they uh, are no longer friends because, yeah, you know, it's like, well, I don't want to hear what you have to say, so I block you on, on, on Facebook. And Confirmation just, bias. I, yeah, I think I think that's crazy. I think you need to be able to have those conversations. Um,
0: I'll, I'll tell you uh, two interesting stories. One is uh, I'm, I was in EO, Entrepreneur's Organization, for, um, I think, 18 years. It was the best thing I ever did. And I, um, was in a forum mastermind when there was conflict in the mastermind. It would rarely happen, but if there's conflict among members, what you do is you bring to the table, but then each person in conflict had to argue the other person's point in earnest, you'd argue for the other point. So it was really powerful in opening your eyes and it reduced conflict tremendously. Um, the other story I had was actually better, but I forgot it
1: <laughs> was what was the um, was there a technique for um, for correcting confirmation bias or is it just is the, the best way to do it? Just because I really think that I try and remain centered with all this stuff and, and look at both sides and then do due diligence and then make a clear decision based off of the facts that I say.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it basically it's prove yourself wrong. And in, in the, in the challenge is our ego. Like we got to prove ourselves wrong. That is hard to do. Yeah, um, I'm not above that. I mean, it really is hard for me to prove myself wrong, um, because then there's admission I was wrong. But if we earnestly attempt it, um, what it reveals is actually the strongest, right? Because you, you have you, you have absolute integrity to the information and knowledge. Oh, here's the story that I was going to say. So there is this uh, friend of mine. Who was anti-NRA uh, and just fully against it and had confirmation bias and so forth. And one day she woke up and said, Oh my God, I actually need to join the NRA. She joined the organization to understand it from the inside out, to overcome her misperceptions. So she was coming from it, you know, this kind of tree hugging mentality and guns are evil. She said, But there's a lot of people that think guns are good. So she joined the NRA inside her access. And I think her opinion shifted. It didn't shift to the other side. She didn't become like this big gun advocate, but she found a center. Um, and as a result, she became a trusted source too. Yeah. You know, it's what's interesting is, is the more biased I think we are, the more we're a, like, this is the way or the only way or the way, the less trusted we are too.
1: Yeah. I, I think that's really cool that she did that because- um, I thought it was
0: ballsy, right? I mean, how many people would have the courage? I don't think I have the courage to do that.
1: Yeah. I hope I do.
0: I don't know if I do.
1: Well, I mean, personally, and you know this, I'm a big pro-Second Amendment guy. and Yeah. um, But I, I base that off of a lot of things, um, including data and facts and, you know, the reality of, of, you know, the situation and all kinds of stuff. And so I love talking about it with people because- there's so much misinformation out there about it. And a lot of it has to do with the laws that are made to prevent you from owning a firearm. Um, and when, when I tell people, well, that's not really what that is. That means, that means this, then they like kind of look at me like, well, wait, what are you talking about? Because they never yeah. heard that before because a lot of the stuff gets perpetuated completely. You know, wrong. it's, I'm sorry. I'm yeah.
0: sorry. No, no. You know what's funny is you said I'm pro NRA and I back that with data and facts,
1: which is often an indicator. Uh, I, I, of- oh, well, not pro NRA, pro second
0: amendment. The- pro- oh, right, I'm, yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's right. You did say it. I'm pro second amendment. Uh, I'm, I, I know the data and facts, which could mean a confirmation bias. Right. So we're looking for it. I wonder if the interest, the, I wonder if there's a new phrasing of that saying, um, uh, you know, second amendment curious <laughs> or something like I am, intrigued by the second amendment and i wonder if that causes the investigation to be different i I don't know i don't know but that's the power of bias you know
1: yeah yeah i mean you know I, i mean not to get in the whole like gun thing but based on you know what the media puts out there when you look at you know a lot of these mass killings you know everybody says rifle 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 Mm-hmm. That's really not the case. The case is when you look at the data, it's more shotguns and it's more handguns than anything else. Um, but that the rifles were made the scapegoat, and then it kind of like just you know. And you 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 enjoy a rifle, right?
0: I, no, you, not, you enjoy a rifle. Not, necess-
1: not necessarily. Um, so you're a hunter. Well, yeah, but uh, but the thing is, I mean, so there's when people say, uh, I love
0: that there's a cattail just shooting up behind you over your yes. shoulder. <laughs> Look,
1: he's going oh, to crawl behind me. Yeah. It, 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 there's a window to the left of me. So, um, ever since we've been doing these, uh, zoom recordings and I've been home, I'm always so worried. He's going to step on the soundboard behind my computer. when he Oh jumps, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the window, yeah. Um, but no, I mean there, uh, you know, people will say things like, Oh, you don't need, um, an, an assault rifle, which I hate that term by the way. And there's lots of reasons for that. You don't need that for, for hunting. Well, that's not true. There's, plenty of um situations where you would use that type of rifle because it's a smaller caliber with a with a higher velocity further right. so like for um hunting hogs or like varmint on the property and stuff like that yeah um, but for the most part when you're talking um you know hunting deer and things like that then you there's shotgun week so you use a shotgun uh there's muzzle loader so you can go old school and use a muzzle loader um i like bow that's my preference, um, because I think you it's-
0: don't hear of any mass murders with bow.
1: No, yeah, you don't. Yeah, you
0: no, know, it's funny. So like, um, so I don't have a gun. I don't have an interest in guns. So I definitely slant toward no guns or whatever. Um, so it's interesting. So my confirmation bias is, oh, these are fully automatic assault weapons that are typically used. I don't know if that's the fact. But that's where my mind goes, right? Yeah. So any news that supports them I'm like there's proof. There's proof. Yeah. But anything that shows otherwise, I skip over it. Yeah. You know, I wonder if the biggest mass murder weapon actually is a bomb, right? It's not, it's not any guns at all. It's these bombs. Yeah. You know, I made the, you know, these mass murders, they happen not just in the US. They happen all over the world, sadly. And I wonder if that's it, but you know, I don't even look for that. And and that's just, that's the point of confirmation bias. Once I have a belief, I'm gonna look for the things that support it.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is like, you know, my, my belief is that if they, if they commit these heinous acts with, with a gun, then that's just the tool that they're choosing to do it with. There's other tools available, like the Boston Marathon. They used a rice cooker to yeah. to kill people. Um, so I think that, you know, it, it's really easy to, to say, Hey, you know, let's get rid of guns. Let's do this. Let's do this. Because, you know, you see that they can be used for for bad things. Um, but me personally, I think that, you know, I, I don't know any legal gun owner who's ever committed a an an act, you know, that was that was incorrect. I think that if you're a good person, then you know, you're a good person, you're not gonna do anything bad with it. If you're a bad person, you're gonna find a way. And the thing is, if if all guns were banned tomorrow, well, which is let's it's hypothetical, but you're never gonna be able to get rid of all of them because they're already out there and then oh yeah yeah the application well and then the the question becomes okay well so then if somebody wants to do something bad then now what are they going to use so now if they you know start making you know bombs or or doing whatever it's like I think bad people are going to want to they're going to find a way to to do it yeah you
0: know but there's also crimes of passion right so my wife listens to every murder mystery out there
1: oh yeah I, I love um you were saying that, but, uh, um, is it like true, true crime stuff?
0: True crimes. Yeah. She, she's a, she calls, calls herself a murderino. There's a show, uh, about murder. I don't know. It's just, I can't listen to that stuff for long. I find it fascinating, but too much of it. And I start having nightmares and I start just, I don't like those thoughts. So yeah, you know, I can handle one date line a month. That's about my number. Maybe. Um, but there's always these crimes of passion, right? So crimes of passion is where you have accessibility to something. So if, if I'm in the heat of the moment and I grab a knife, I can do a certain amount of damage. If I have a uh, a, a gun uh, in the passion moment, I may have be able to do more. I think that's the counter argument. You know, the thing that I need to do is say, well, how could that belief, how could my belief about that be wrong and challenge myself? That, that's the confirmation
1: bias. Yeah, but then I, I could throw out the scenario. Um, and I'm only doing this to you just because I've had so many of these conversations. So it, it yeah. And then we'll move on to the next subject. Yeah, yeah. Um, So you know, what if there's a you know a woman who uh, is in an abusive relationship and she has said, "I'm getting out of this. I want to leave," and so she leaves her boyfriend. Her boyfriend's like, "I'm going to kill you," and then she goes to the the gun store and she wants to buy a handgun because she needs to. She's in fear for her life. She wants to protect herself. And they're like, "Yeah, okay. You know, come back in in ten days." Okay, well, what am I supposed to like? What does she do in the meantime? You know, so there's, there there's, there's arguments for you know for for both. You know,
0: I understand, I understand, I understand. The, the point of confirmation bias is that when we lean toward one side, we'll find more arguments to support it than not. And I, and brings us back to business. That's where I see business business owners struggle. Um, it's funny. I'm, so I'm writing a book on marketing right now tentatively title different is better. And uh just actually just right before we got on this call, I was, I was right working on the first chapter and tweaking it. The most common thing to do is to replicate the pattern of other quote unquote successful businesses. So what most businesses do when it comes to marketing is we look at our competitors or someone we admire, you know, um, some brand see how they're marketing and then try to do our own version of it, which really isn't a confirmation bias. It's, uh, but it's similar in that we move down these very narrow channels of activity. And when we do it and we do see it works even ineffectively, but maybe works sporadically here and there, we then say, Oh, I got to try that harder. And my argument is, um, in the vast majority of cases, when it comes to marketing, it's actually doing what you're not doing, which is going to serve you the best. But it requires us to take that bold step of challenging our existing thinking.
1: Yeah, which I think is that's it's hard. It's tough. Yeah,
0: it's tough. It is it's tough. You know what's so fascinating about marketing? So uh, um, the argument of different is better. The book title is "There's a part of our." I think I shared this on some other podcast, but I'm not sure. Um, there's a part of the human brain called the reticular formation. It's at the base of the the brain. Uh, at the top of the brainstem. And it's a, my understanding is it's a neural net, like an actual net, both in a literal and figurative um, description. Literally, it sits at the top of the brainstem as a net. And what it does is as information comes to it, the particular formation is designed to ignore everything it can. So the brain is optimized to not see and experience things. And simply the formation allows through it the few things that are, of most relevance, so right now, uh, focus attention is one thing. So while you and I are talking, our brain, reticular formation is making an effort to stay on topic. It allows us to trigger other ideas and thoughts. That that's actually uh, I think it's the prefrontal cortex that does that. But it allows it allows our minds to come up with those stories. And here's I had a friend, and you can you know do this now. because the reticular formation is sitting there ignoring the fact that there's a thousand things going on. I could literally pick up this reddish marker here and spend an hour investigating this. The ridges here, why is this red? The plastic it's made of, why is this bump here? You know, pulling it up, why does it make that noise that when it opens and there's a click? Our our brain could go on for hours on any individual thing. And if it devoted that equal attention, we wouldn't be able to leave our seat. We just sit here just in constant evaluation, which would be deadly. We'd starve to death because of distraction. Yeah. So the mind knows that distraction is the most dangerous thing, and therefore the reticular formation uh, is designed to to ignore it. Therefore, our brain is very efficient at ignoring. So an example is if you see something in marketing, maybe email marketing. It was funny when we were talking before. It's like, oh, dude, I, I sent an email half hour ago. I probably got buried. Yeah. Well, I got these spam filters and stuff. They did block out the five hundred emails, but other ones got in above it. It used to be rewind 10, 15 years ago. That first email marketing message came in. It was like, Oh, this is, what is this? It was different. Our reticular formation hadn't built up that filter to ignore it, but it comes very efficient at it very quickly. Our brain learns, Oh, email with certain type of title, probably marketing should ignore it. And by the second or third one gets really efficient at marketing, uh, ignoring it. And therefore email marketing is less and less effective. Now, People continue to do it because the per dollar cost, like it costs so little for the return, but it's less and less effective. Mm -hmm. What we need to do to break through the reticular formation is different. If you do something that the brain has not built a net or filter for, or that filter is not being used much anymore, and it's kind of fading away. That's how you pierce through it again.
1: Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting. Um, There was, so the one benefit, and I think we discussed this briefly before with, uh, of COVID has been our teams. Everybody's been working on personal development. And I think yeah. to like a higher degree because, you know, we're, yeah. we're from home, you know? So like me personally, it's been, uh, trying to work out more, uh, and then guitar. And I know you're, you're are you, guitar. are you jaring out
0: on it a little bit now?
1: I know like five chords now. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. So the, well, the, ma- the major chords, I presume, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, this, nice. the simple versions. Dude, and,
0: every ACDC song you've already mastered.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Um, so it was cool because there's uh, this guy, I've been I'm watching videos from people, not on how to, like, I, there's a program I used to teach, but um, just tips on like, hey, when you're starting out, don't get discouraged by this, to keep yeah. it positive, because it's really easy to get discouraged, especially with the, the fingering on the frets. So uh, this one guy yeah. said, one of the best things that you can do read this book it's called deep work have you ever heard of this
0: i have heard of the title i've not read it
1: so he he recommends that and he says it in you know and basically what it comes down to is like you use guitar as an example so if you're gonna sit there and for an hour you're gonna say i'm gonna play for an hour it's not hey hit a couple chords and then oh my phone's going off check your email put it back Yeah, yeah it's no all you do is just block out everything and you deep work so like to the point where you're so focused on it that yeah you know, by the, by the time you're done, you're almost like exhausted because, yeah. you know, and um, he said, when you do that and you take it to that level, you retain more knowledge and uh, then you, you can recall it quicker. Mm. And so, you know, that was one of the mistakes that he, he made when he was uh, learning how to play guitar. So I just, I think that's fascinating. I, I yeah, it is fascinating. I you know, yeah.
0: It was interesting when I write I don't know if that qualifies for deep work, but I do an hour sprints uh, with a group of other authors. And it's interesting. It's really takes about 10 or 15 minutes to get into flow, sometimes faster, sometimes slower. It seems like really to get the flow going and the focus and those juices flowing. But then there's a period of like, you know, 15 or 20 minutes in, I start humming along for about 20 minutes. And then it becomes a little bit of a, a struggle or a fight to stay on topic. Yeah, and an hour seems to be the max. We actually break into two segments. We do a twenty-five, five-minute pause, twenty-five five-minute debrief, and that's our hour.
1: Yeah, I, I and I feel like when you think about the majority of things that you do in life, um, like even if it's like if I go for a, a bike ride, the first twenty minutes, it's like, oh man yeah you know there's a
0: period of time right to get into the flow i guess
1: yeah and then once i hit like the 30 minute mark i almost feel like wow i could do this for like the next couple hours and then after (laughs) an hour it's like all right (laughs) now
0: well i'm similar it's not exactly i could do it you know say 20 minutes to get into the swing then i'm like at the 30 minute mark i'm like yeah i could do this for days at the 31 minute mark i'm like i'm exhausted it's such a short window. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially, you know, I, I bike ride running. Like, I'm not a runner. I don't, and what I mean by that is. Uh,
1: can I just, for the listeners, can I just say this? Mike says he's not a runner. You're like a gazelle, dude. Like. Oh, right, right. You see me run. Right. Yeah. I can, I can move. I,
0: the reason I say I'm not a runner is because I don't get enjoyment out of it. Like, I I don't think there's been once I'm like, I can't wait to run. And I, I feel like I need to run. Um, I need to get the cardio. But to your point, it's, uh, when I first get out there, I feel all creakety and so forth every time. And sometimes it's for a few minutes. Then there's a period that um, I feel like, oh, I can run forever, but it's usually short lived. Every so often though, I get into swing. Like it's just things that start clicking. Runners high, bikers high, where the thoughts go to somewhere else, just wandering. It's almost a meditative state yeah. in action. Yeah. And the one thing I've discovered for myself is that the more often I do an activity just by quantity, that opportunity presents itself more frequently. Mm-hmm. So I guess the moral of that story is do more guitar. Yeah. And you'll get more of those flow moments and do more of that running. And just, it just, by quantity has to present itself
1: yeah I've hit that a few times on the bike um maybe maybe one time when I was running but that was when so so now I can't run because I have really bad uh plantar fasciitis I mean it's it's awful um but I you can bike though oh yeah I know I can bike which is nice but I used to do the half marathons and I remember this one that I was doing this is how I I heard it so bad I didn't train as, as hard as I should have and I hit like the The eight or nine mile marker yeah and I was like oh you know I only have like four more miles to go and it was like the hardest four miles it was run through the pain yeah it was excruciating like it was so bad I got to the uh, the last like half mile my legs started cramping up so bad that I would have to stop and stretch and pound on them um, for like 60 seconds before yeah it was it was oh that was brutal
0: I have uh, what's called neuroma neuroma is in your feet when you're running or walking or anything that the the feet will start rubbing a nerve between your toes and it feels it feels like a burning sensation and it can become excruciating. Well I did the you know run through the pain like an idiot uh because that's what you did in high school and college
1: sports like you know rub some dirt on that's what the coaches tell you yeah Yeah. don't be a wuss yeah
0: don't be a wuss so I was running this one particular run I'll never forget it. it was a five mile run. I was on mile four and the burning sensation was getting worse and worse. I'm like, just push through it. You got to get that five mile mark. I could barely walk home after that. Um, similar to plantar fasciitis, I believe in the pain sensation. And um, I went to the podiatrist. Is that the person that was your feet? Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, you got neuroma. He's like, you can, you can uh, put cortisone in there and reduce the pain for a couple of weeks. Um, you can try to wear orthotics and do all these different things to naturally resolve it. Or we can just simply remove the nerve. But you'll have no feet no sensation in your, in the front of your feet anymore <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> if I didn't you know run through the pain um, so now I, I try to navigate I have uh, orthotics you actually learn to walk or run differently to re- reduce the impact um, but it's a permanent life problem and, and you have the two now
1: yeah and the, the thing with, with I've done so much research um, I actually had a shot i got the when I went to the Podi- yeah, the shot. I went to the podiatrist and uh, I didn't, at the time, I didn't know what I know now. And uh, the option was, hey, I'll give you a cortisone shot. And I said, yeah. okay. And I didn't realize that could be more damaging. Well, if you yeah. go too far into the, the fascia when you do that injection, you can actually rupture it. And I think that's what happened because then for the next week, I was in 10 times more pain than I was in before and I couldn't walk. And I was like, this is not this is not right. Like, this is not cool. Oh my God. And then, um, at the time I was, my job was, you know, 10, 12 hours a day on my feet on concrete. And, uh, oh. it, it just got so much worse. It's starting to get a little bit better, but I don't, I don't know if I'll ever totally get rid of it. I think. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. You know, it is amazing. I, there is a lot of things you, things you can do naturally. I, I, uh, I bought a book on it. I haven't read it yet. Just started it around different foot problems. Um, and there's a lot of things we can do. I don't know. I, I'm investigating it because the last thing I want to do is an operation.
1: Yeah, I, I got to ask you this because I know you used to read like a maniac, right? Yeah. And th- so now, I mean, your schedule's crazy. You, you're writing your new book. Do you do you have time to read anymore?
0: I do. I do. So I, I, well, the cheat is audio. So when I in the weight room, almost every single day, I'm I'm listening to a book. I'm I'm just finishing Indistractable by. Near y'all it's uh, it's interesting um, on what causes distraction, how to prevent it, and stuff. Um, but I also have traditional reads, so I just bought I think like six books. When I go, I go. Yeah, uh, that are all packed up, style piled up on my night table. And before I go to bed, I'll read for a half hour. Weekends, I'll probably read for an hour or two in the morning. Um, I love it. I you know I just read uh, Stephen King's book on writing. I got, he wrote a book about writing. But oh, he
1: wrote, he wrote a book on writing. Yeah, called On Writing. Yeah.
0: It got me jacked. He's a, obviously, he's a good writer. It was just really interesting to hear him write about writing. It was, you know, instead of a horror story for once, you, you know, it's something different. It was just fascinating. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I don't read as vigilantly as I did, but I, I definitely keep a pace going with it.
1: Do you find that you get more out of, Audiobooks or, or. I get
0: more, I've written books for sure, but audiobooks, you know, the trade off is the consumption so fast. So like extreme ownership, I, I read that, read that book. And I think like, I listened to that book in five workouts or something,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, um, and I'm through it. I'm reading, uh, where did I just start, I just started a book on marriage communication, um, called the four seasons or something and really interesting and um but it's gonna take me months it's gonna take me months yeah. but i want to really master stuff because I, I go through with a, a highlighter i underline stuff i'll discuss that one i'll discuss with my wife and say what do you think of this um, i'm reading the- one about selling books on amazon
1: <laughs> yeah that's cool yeah you know what the uh, the most effective highlighter color is it's Not yellow no, it, it's yellow and green
0: and green okay yeah
1: because uh, the
0: most effective
1: like in terms of uh how you memorize and how it can oh, really help you yeah is is yellow and green because they're they're the two brightest ones i always used uh, pink because like it stands out more and then I, I read this article on like i don't know neuroscience you know what's
0: really hard to read is when you get a used book i, I like getting used books occasionally and then are already highlighted by someone yeah. else yeah well so. it feels like it's the shortcut <laughs> like i read their highlights i'm like this is stupid why do they highlight this
1: yeah you've you've given me uh books before that i wanted to read and you mark the crap out of books like I, like you make notes and circle yeah, thing yeah, yeah bend ear ear dog or was it uh, yeah, my own thoughts ear. yeah yeah and i was like i can't read this it's, thing. it's, not, it's illegible
0: yeah. yeah i know i know i shouldn't do that
1: uh, it's funny that well, you know you should it was your book i mean i think if that helps you uh, you know it's all about no i mean i shouldn't i shouldn't share uh, that as a book oh, yeah you shouldn't share yeah um yeah. but but no that's i think that's that's really fascinating but then yeah like use a yellow highlighter and and you'll Memorized. I like that. That's a good little shortcut, and I, that's why it's I, audiobooks. I, I like listening to podcasts because it's more of like a conversation most of the time. Audiobooks are hard for me because it's just somebody like talking to you. Um, I always got more out of, you know, uh, paperback traditional books, and even the Nooks and the Kindles. I I, I can't really, mm. I can't get down with. I don't know why it's,
0: but it, yeah, Kindle, I can't get down with Kindle either. You know, we just signed a deal for Profit First for an audio uh, video book. So this is, there's a company, I can't remember her name, um, but there's a company that's creating video books. And so I think what they're doing is they're blending the traditional audio read with animation, graphics, uh, some interaction with the author and stuff. I think my belief is that's where books are going. So I think audio is going to continue to grow in tremendous ways. I think print will be around, forever, just because it's a great physical experience. I, I think though these video books, I think in engagement reading, where, where you can almost like choose your own adventures, you flow through books, is going to be more the way people go. Um, that maybe, like if you ever sign for a, like an online course or whatever, they just give it to you linearly. They say, you know, here's course one through 12. I wonder if, if a book is going to be chopped into 50 pieces and it's going to say, you know, what's the biggest challenge or need you have right now that applies to this book? And they, they tackle that and say, how's it applying? Now let's go here. I think it's going to be much more choose your own adventure. Oh, that's
1: cool. Like, a, like choose your own for nonfiction. Yeah. 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 You
0: know, with the Fix This Next, we actually are playing around with that. So, if people take the Fix This Next evaluation at FixThisNext.com, uh, when you do it, it only throws up the relevant videos toward where your need is, because the whole idea in Fix This Next is this um, rush we have to doing just anything in our business as opposed to the right thing. I I call it the rush for the apparent over the impactful. There's a popular saying says, we we put the urgent over the important. And I think that's actually not true. We don't pick the urgent. We pick the obvious, the apparent, and we place urgency on it. So we put this artificial urgency on things. Thinking is urgent. It must be done now. It's not true. So we don't pick the urgent. We make it urgent. Hmm. and but it is to the compromise of the important or the impactful so and fix this next uh, the tool identifies the one thing you need to work on and then the, the discussion came back like oh that means we should only provide the solution for that one thing like why distract people with other things that they don't need to focus on so it's kind of a choose-your-own-adventure for the book
1: yeah that's coming about awesome that's cool hey just one quick thing before we wrap this up about the choose-your-own-adventure yeah. Uh, I remember distinctly when I was a kid, I was given, I think it was a series of, of choose your adventure books. One of them was about dinosaurs and right. you're like a, a time traveler, right? So you go back to the dinosaur period. And so <laughs> I would do, and I don't know how many other people did this where you're like, okay, do you want to do A or B? And they're like, Ugh. All right, I'm gonna do B, and then you flip to that page and you start reading, and it's like, oh no, you died, and then you're like, eh, yeah, go back. Yeah, all right, let to go back to A, you know, like, and yeah. you, you never really commit to the decision. <laughs> you're always just like, like, kind of preview it, and then you're like, yeah, all right, and then you go back, and you know, <laughs> yeah, like I the, did that too. I love those books. I cool. thought those books were awesome. Yeah, they were cool.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised that in the adult genre you don't see this. I'm, I'm sure they are. There's some vertical. There's some cult. Kind of community that's into that, but it's weird that, to me, that's not a mainstream
1: thing. Yeah, if we
0: enjoy as kids. Wouldn't we enjoy it as adults too?
1: Yeah, I, I I don't know if if they. I mean, I haven't heard much about those kind of books for a while. I don't know if they kind of went to the wayside or if they're still around. I,
0: probably, I think they're still around for kids. I know my, my son. He he grew up in the Goosebumps was the popular kind of scary thing. It yeah. was Goosebumps okay. Choose Your own Adventure. Um. Yeah, I bet you uh, a nice Arabic big. Well, life is choose your own adventure. We don't need more in books. <laughs> My whole life is a goddamn choose your own adventure. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Cool. All right. right this is fun, brother. I, okay. I hope uh, our dear listening friends, I hope you enjoy this too. It's, it's just me and Jay Bone in the studio talking shop. Yeah, if,
1: if there's anything that you would like us to discuss. I mean, these so far have been hitting all kinds of random points on things. Um, but just send an email to ask mike at mike Um and then yeah, check out the podcast if you're not subscribed uh at do it. www.mmpodcast.me
0: Yeah, and really if you don't mind subscribing, it's a big deal. I hope it'll serve you because you won't miss an episode, but it really serves us. The more subscriptions, the more it spreads the word on the work we're doing here with Mike up in your business. So uh we'd be honored if you I would be honored if you do. It. Yeah.
1: And we really love uh, doing this content for, for people. So, I mean, it, it, you know, it's fun for us, but we also want to, you know, serve the community and and have a benefit. So, so please like comment, uh, you know, send us an email if there's anything you want to hear and and we'll get it up. Rock and roll. All right, guys.